0: So I'm going to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, and then we're going to get going, okay? For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity Or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. So we speak. Not to please man. But to please God. Who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery as you know. Nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people. Whether from you or from others. Though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. While we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Father in heaven, we ask for grace today. God, we ask for grace that the word of God might go forth with the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask that you'd open eyes and open hearts. And and Lord, that we might receive the word with obedience, and with eagerness. Father, that you would make us these kind of believers, these kind of gospel carriers, these ambassadors for Christ. That we see in this passage. Father please. Make us. Make us those kind of disciples. Father we pray that you give us the right desires. That you would govern the desires of our hearts. Father we ask that you would. You would be near to us. Lord be near to us as a church family. Spread all across Woodward. Father we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Alright so. Last week, uh, we looked at the testimony of the Thessalonian church, right? Uh, so churches have testimonies, believers have testimonies, and uh, Paul basically reminds them of the testimony of how their church came to being. And, and he reminds them that they are beloved, he, he's sure of it, he's sure they're beloved of God, and that they are chosen by, by God, and he's sure of that because he remembers their, their, their love that, that that labored and their faith that worked and their hope that was steadfast. And, and then more than that, he says, I, I, I know you're chosen of God because the gospel came to you with this transforming power and you received in the midst of much affliction and, and then you became imitators of both of, 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 of Paul and the Lord. Uh, you became a disciple. You, you began to imitate Jesus and to imitate Paul who was imitating Jesus. And then you became an example to others. And so we see this beautiful picture of Paul basically saying, man, I I know you're chosen of God because you became a disciple who immediately began to make disciples. And and, and so last week was all about the church, right? The Thessalonian church. Well, today in chapter two, it isn't about the Thessalonian believers. It's about the one who brought them the gospel. Okay? So chapter two is about Paul. It's about Paul who brought them the gospel. And and I, I just want to pause right there and I want to ask you, have you ever brought the gospel to anyone have you ever been the means of god the means of the spirit in which god brought the gospel to to others Amen. i i hope you could say yes i know many of you many of you i've seen you do it so i know you could say yes i've i've been the person who got to got the privilege of bringing the gospel bringing the good news to to other people uh others of you would say i have it but i desire it and oh i hope that you desire it I, i hope that you have a deep desire to be a part of other people coming to know and love Jesus you know it's a desire that God wants you to have uh psalm 37 4 says delight yourself uh in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart and and, and so the Bible tells us man you ought to cultivate the right desires when you see in the scriptures hey this this is a desire I ought to have then you should pursue that desire and so, if you find yourself already in the message saying, "Man, uh, maybe, maybe, my, my, I don't, I don't desire that much to be someone who brings the gospel," I, I would say, "Man, you, you, you need, you need to ask God for that. You need to ask Him to give you a desire to be a part of bringing the gospel to, be, to other people, bringing the good news, is the way Paul Paul describes it. Gospel means good news. Uh, the gospel is that Jesus is here. If you don't know the gospel this morning, it's basically that Jesus is here, that the Son of God." come from heaven to, to live the perfect life on your behalf and to die in your place to pay the penalty for your sins that you might by faith and repentance be joined in that you might be connected tethered to jesus christ now i'm not sure how you think about taking the gospel to somebody so so whenever we describe that, you know, chapter two is all about how Paul brought the gospel to them. I'm not sure how you think about that. I'm not sure, you know, what goes through your mind. If what goes through your mind is that bringing the gospel to people is simply about communicating information. You know, it's just like when you're in the grocery store and somebody can't find somebody, something and you help them out. You know, you're, oh yeah, the spices, they're on they're on all three. You know, if that's the way that you think of Bringing the gospel to your neighbors, bringing the gospel to your family—it it, that's it's it's horribly deficient. Okay, there is absolutely a communication of 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 the truths about Jesus. Yes, that is true. But for Paul, there was so much more to bringing the gospel to people. Maybe you think of it as winning an argument. Um, I, I've met lots of folks who. Uh, whether they would say that or not, it seems that the way that they think of bringing the gospel to people is they think of, I mean, I'm, I'm going to win the argument. Like, I, like these people are wrong and I'm right and I'm going to show them they're wrong. Let, first of all, let me say, I hardly ever see those people be very fruitful. Um, uh, there is absolutely something to be said for apologetics, something to be said for uh, making a case for 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 the resurrection of Jesus and the and the and the and the glory of God and the beauty of the gospel, there's absolutely a, a, a case for that. Yes, but but when you're when you when the way you think about bringing the gospel to people revolves around winning the argument, I I just think that's a deficient way of thinking about the gospel. You know, you know just put yourself on the other side. You know, if if you're a believer here, then you've been on the other side at some point. I certainly was. Uh, and, and how did you think about? People coming to bring the gospel to you. Uh, And and the reality is, unless you maybe grew up in a Christian home, you might have been suspicious of of people that were were, were bringing the gospel to you. You might have been a little, little bit leery of their motives. Like, okay, what's in this for you? Like, why are you doing this? Why are you telling me this? Why are you pursuing me in this way? Well, Paul gives us, I think, a great example, a great model for how you ought to carry the gospel to the world. All right? Um, we're going to read verse 8. So I'm going to go back to verse 8. Verse 8 is going to kind of be the the uh, the, the anchor of, of the message this morning. So in verse 8, it says, uh, Paul kind of describes his, his, his heart, his motive in bringing the gospel to the Thessalonian believers. And he says, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us, all right? So, so first of all, Paul says, we were ready to share. That, that's a beautiful phrase, ready to share. Um, it, it really carries the connotation of we were delighted. We, we, were, we were pleased. It made us happy to, to share. That, that, it, it's ready in the sense of somebody who's like, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Like, I'm eager, all right? That's what Paul's saying. He says, we we were ready to share. We were pleased. We had great joy and delight in sharing the gospel, and again, let me pause and just say, if you are not delighted in the gospel, if the gospel is not a delight to you, if it's not exciting to you, if it's not a joy, then you need to work on savoring the gospel, all right? Like, like there are some things that, that, that we want people to light in, but it's just a preference, I, I love snow skiing. I love mountain biking. And, and honestly, I, I have a hard time understanding people who don't. Like, I, like I can't get that. Like, I, how come you wouldn't like this? This is great. You know, but, but also I understand, hey, that's a preference. That's just a preference. Okay? But what, what we learn about the gospel is it genuinely is the treasure worth giving everything for. It genuinely is the best thing. It genuinely is a delight. And we need to learn to savor the reality that Christ has plucked your feet out of the fires of hell and given you a front seat into the fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore in his presence. Like, like that's something to savor, right? And, and so if you don't have a genuine delight in the gospel, you need to cultivate that. You know, if you, if you, if you, if you don't have a desire to bring the gospel to people, you need to cultivate that. You, you, need, you need to work your heart you need, you need to work truth into your heart about the gospel so that you are ready to share. Because there's something wrong, believer. There's something wrong, Christian, if you're not. Can you imagine uh, Can you imagine if when my wife was pregnant with our first child, can you imagine my parents calling from Kansas and, and, and checking on us? You know, hey, how's Emma? How's, how's things going? You know, is, is she dilated? Is she having contractions? Does the doctor think it's going to be soon? And, and what if I were to say, oh, no, yeah, she had it. She had to baby a couple weeks ago, you know. Yeah, doing great. It's a girl. Everything's fine. Yeah, she's rolling over already, saying a few things, you know. I mean, what, what, what if that were the case? You, you would say, there's something wrong. You'd say, there's something wrong with your relation, with your parents. There's something wrong with you that you were not ready to share, that you were not eager to share. And that's, that's the way that Paul felt about the gospel. And so Paul says he was ready to share, he was delighted to share. And then then this phrase, not only the gospel of God, here it is, but also our own selves. Now, our own selves is an interesting little phrase. It's one one word in the Greek, and it's the word um, suke. It's the word that means life, it means soul, it means kind of breath of life kind of the emanating force, the, the life force inside of you, I guess you could say. And it's translated a bunch of different ways. It's used, it's used for both both like your, your physical life, like what makes you alive. And it's also, it's also used for like the part of you that exists forever, your soul. And, and, and so, so basically people translate this differently. Some people translate this verse. Um, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own soul. And that, that's an appropriate translation. The ESV says our own selves. And you could also you could also translate it our own lives. Okay? But 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 what is it that Paul means there? Okay? So he says, man, we were ready. We were delighted to bring you the gospel, to bring you the good news of, of what Christ has done on your behalf. And we were also ready, eager, delighted to share our own selves. You see, I, I think I think this is a beautiful verse capturing what your motivation, what your heart ought to be in bringing the gospel to people. And so, what, what does Paul mean by, by his delight to share his, his own self? Okay? Number one, it means Paul is bold. Okay? It means Paul is bold. All right, look, look, look back, go backward in verse two. Okay? So, chapter two, verse two. But though we had already suffered him and shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict, right? So so first of all, Paul says he was bold in bringing them the gospel. Now, if if when I say bold, if when the scripture says bold, if you think loud and obnoxious, you've missed the word bold, okay? Now, I I know some people think of it that way. Some people think of bold as just I'm louder, you know? Uh, I was really bold for Jesus in that, you know, in in, in a conversation, I was 10 times louder than I ought to be. That's not bold, Okay? The, the, the word bold here, what it really means is to speak freely, um, to speak fearlessly. Uh, I, I think my favorite way to describe it is he held nothing back. So, so basically, Paul says, I, I held nothing back. When I came to you with the gospel, I held nothing back. Even though it was risky, even though there was hardship, I, I held nothing back. You know, we get timid about things when it might cost us when it might go badly for us, for our reputation or our comfort or our ease. There's lots of folks that that they're willing to share the gospel as long as it doesn't have some kind of adverse effect upon their life, as long as it doesn't have some kind of difficulty in their life. But Paul was saying, no way. We were eager to share the gospel in our own lives, and the result of that is that we were bold. We we held nothing back from you. If you look at the context of of the gospel coming to the Thessalonians, you know that in, in Philippi, Uh, which you can read through this in Acts 16 later if you want to. But Paul describes it just a bit in verse 2. He says, but though we had suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. So Paul remembers how they had just come from Philippi. When they were at Philippi, they got arrested and drugged for the the, the rulers of the city, and and they were stripped. Uh, They were stripped of their clothing. They were beaten with rods, and then they were thrown in a dungeon. Right, and locked in the, in, the, in the inner dungeon. That's what happened at Philippi. And even though that had happened, Paul, that didn't discourage Paul when he went to the next place, which was Thessalonica, but rather he had boldness. Again, not loud and obnoxious, but rather he held nothing back. He didn't hold anything back from, from sharing the good news of the gospel in the midst of much conflict. Man, how awesome it is that, that Paul had the kind of boldness that was not deterred by results. What about you? Man, when, whenever, whenever you share the gospel, whenever you get a chance to, to tell somebody about the good news, does, does the reality of how that goes, does that, does that affect how much you'll share? Does that affect you know, how you share, how eager you are to share the next time? It didn't for Paul. Why? Because he, he was bold in God. He had a boldness in God that was rooted in his confidence in God. That's the way he describes it there in verse two. He says, our, we had a boldness in our God. It was this rock solid confidence in the gospel. And part of Paul's confidence comes from he had, this, he had this deep conviction that you and I ought to have, okay, that we have a responsibility with the gospel. Okay, that, that there, there's, we ought to be eager. I mean, that, that's what he's already said. We, we ought to be ready to share, we ought to be delighted to share. There's something wrong with our hearts if we're not delighted, if we're not joy, joyfully anticipating sharing. But but there's also this reality that Paul had in which he'd been giving something very valuable that, that he was supposed to take care of. Notice, keep reading here in chapter 2. Uh, let's look at verse 3. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Okay? He says, we, we were tested, we were approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Okay, so, so Paul had been given the gospel. He, he had this deep sense of responsibility and that this priceless treasure had been given to him. And not, not, not to do with it with whatever he wanted, but to share with others. I had a church member yesterday give me some cash, okay? Give me some cash to give to another church member. Uh, so they they kind of found out about the situation and said, "Hey, I want you to give this to somebody else. I want you to give this to this person." And, and, and man, I, I stuck it in my coat pocket. I had on my coat and I, I pulled my zipper down. And I stuck it in there. I said, "I'll do it," you know. And, and immediately when I got back into my office, I was like, "Okay, I will forget that if 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 I don't if I don't do something." So I, I took it out. I put it right prominently on my desk. And then as soon as I left for the office, I called the person. I said, "Hey, I, I need to meet you. Yeah, I need to meet because I, I got to fulfill this." My my, my, my worry was that six months later, when I put that coat back on in October, I would I would unzip that pocket and find it. you know that, that's me like I would do something like that and, and, and so I had this this sense of responsibility that okay I, I got to pass this on like this, is, this, this, this was given to me for a reason. well my friends. The gospel was given to you for a reason. You, you ought to feel the way that Paul feels. You've been entrusted with this priceless treasure. You've been given this thing of incredible, imminent value. And you ought to pass it on. And Paul feels that. 2 Corinthians 5, 18, he said this. He said, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. You see that he has entrusted to us this message of reconciliation. And so we're an ambassador for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, I, I love that word, we beg you, we implore with you, we plead with you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Man, I, I was on Facebook last night, I have become a social media uh, guru, by the way. So that's COVID-19, that's what it's done to me, is that I'm on social media, I'm making videos, and I'm, I'm on social media, and I'm, I'm liking stuff, and I'm, I'm commenting, I'm doing it all, and, and so I was on there last night, and one of our church members went on live, and I think they were driving home from work, and it was such a blessing. It was like a one-minute video, but with tears in their eyes. They, they just, simple gospel message, simple, just be reconciled to God. God God's calling you to come to him. You, you, can, you, can, you can belong to him. You can receive forgiveness of sins. He's, he's calling it. And, and just, he was, he was literally pleading. I mean, it was a one-minute short video on his way home, and he's pleading. I loved it. He's doing this. He's doing this. And, and, and Paul says, man, when I, when, I, when I hit home that I've been given this, I've got to share it. I want to share it. In Ephesians 3.8, I, I like one great phrase here. He says, to me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, again, this is Paul, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles And then this phrase, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Isn't that awesome? The unsearchable, what does unsearchable mean? Man, you can't get to the end of it. You can explore it for all eternity. And you you never run to the end of it. You never get to the end of it. You never run out of the riches. And Paul says, it's been given to me. this, This trust to to share, to preach the gospel of the unsearchable riches of Christ. Man, that's beautiful. And so, so here's, here's a great phrase. Ready? In verse 4, just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. You see that little, little phrase there? I, I love it. Just as we've been approved by God to, to preach to, to preach the gospel or entrusted with God with the gospel, so we speak. We've got this. And so what do we do? We, we speak. We share it. We're eager. We're ready. We're delighted. Again, what's he say? I'm ready. I'm delighted to share the gospel. But not only the gospel, but also our own selves. All right. So number one, what, what, is, what is sharing your life, sharing your soul? What is, what is not only bringing the gospel to people, but also sharing your own soul? What, what does that mean? It means, It means you hold nothing back because you've been entrusted with the gospel. Number two. It means that you have the right motive, and that right motive is to please God. Look in, uh, look in verse um, 3, I'm going to start reading. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God, who tests our hearts. And then he goes on later and says in verse, um, I think it's 6, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others. So, so Paul, Paul says, first of all, our motive is not to please people. Now, I, I wonder if you would grapple with that just a little bit. I, I wonder if you would say, you know, is that, is that all that bad? If, if your motive is, man, I, 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 want, I want to please you. I mean, obviously the gospel is good for people. I mean, it brings them into the greatest treasure. It brings them into riches immeasurable. It brings them into forgiveness of sin. It saves them from, from hell and the judgment of God. Obviously, it's good for people. Why, why wouldn't it be a good motive to say, hey, I want, I want to preach the gospel because I want to please people. I, I think whenever your motive is to please people, man, you, things get a little, things get a little uh, unhealthy. So let me give you some examples. Let's say you're a waiter, you're a waitress. And let's say your motive for giving really good service is to please people. Well, what, what might that turn into? Well, what that might turn into is you really know that if you do a great job and you make people happy, they do what? They, they tip you better, right? They, they give you more money. I mean that—that's kind of the way that works, and that's not a bad thing. I think you ought to be a good tipper. I think waiters and waitresses they ought to do a good job. By the way, if you don't know what that is, there was a time where we actually went inside buildings and we sat down at tables, and somebody would come and they would—they would say, "What would you like to eat?" and you would—you would say, "Hmm, I think I'll have this," and and then they would say, "Okay," and they would go and they would bring and you drink your drink, and they would come. And refi- it was a great time. Many of you don't remember that, but uh, some someday maybe again we'll—we'll we'll do that. But that's what a waiter or waitress is, and and so. Their motive might be to please people, but it might be, it might be to actually get money, or, or, or it might be to cater to the owner. Maybe they know the owner's watching, and I, I want to do a really good job. I want to please these people. I want to make these people happy because the owner's watching, and, and that, that'll be job security for me. Or, or maybe it's just that they've got a table of people that are really grumpy. You know and they they're just hard they're just hard people they they're those people that nothing's ever good enough you know their food's got to be within a 3 degree temperature before they're not going to send it back and maybe maybe you want to make them happy just so they won't be so so grumpy you know you, you won't have a mess on your hands so so in that situation there's a higher motive than pleasing people and that would be what Paul says in Colossians you should do your job for the glory of God you should do your job for God how about marriage I mean, it sounds really good to say, man, I just want to please my spouse. Okay, but again, that, that's, that's not the highest motive. You, you could just want to please your spouse because you want to get something from them. You, you want to manipulate them in some way so that you get something back. You want to control them in some way, or, 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 or maybe you're just trying to keep, keep the peace, or maybe, maybe you're, you're trying to keep things from a big blow-up. See, the higher motive, the better motive is always the motive of I'm God-centered here. I want to please God. Like I'm doing what I'm doing to please God. And and, and that's what Paul says. He says, man, our motive was not to please people. That can can get really sticky. If your motive is to please people, you know what's going to happen? You will eventually hold back truth because you don't want to upset them. You want to protect your relationship. You you will eventually not share or or share in a distorted way because you don't want things to be uncomfortable. Why? Because you you want them to be happy. You You want to please them. And it's easy to be a people pleaser. And when we are deeply concerned with pleasing people, hear this out we're really just concerned about ourselves, aren't we? I mean, isn't that true? When your motive is, I want to make people happy, I want to please people, really, really your motive is, I want to be happy. I want it to be good for me. I want it to be comfortable for me. I want it to be advantageous for me. Paul's like, that's, that's not our motive. We're not trying to look good here. We're not trying to save face. We're not looking for praise. We're not trying to build our ego. All of those things will keep you from being bold. You'll encounter time after time where you'll pull back from speaking of the glorious gospel because it may hinder the approval of others. Not only that, but it's a low motive. It's got a terribly low payback. Have you ever noticed that? You know, there, there's, this, there's this illusion out there that you can actually please everybody all the time. And my friends, let me just take it from a pastor that there, there is no way to do that. There is absolutely no way to do that. man. if that's your motive, you're, you're going to ride this roller coaster of life of trying to please people. It's a small payback. Here's what Paul knew. There's a, there's a better glory. I, I, I love what he says in verse 6. Verse 6, he says, nor did we seek the glory from people. He said, we're not seeking the glory that comes from people. We're seeking the glory that comes from God. Paul knew there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a bigger reward out there. Paul was so convinced of Jesus' immeasurable riches and surpassing worth that he wanted to please God. Man, I'm telling you, that alone will revolutionize your life. If you get up every morning and say, I, I just, I want to, I'm I trying to please God. I'm trying to please God. And what, what you'll find is it's actually a lot of times easier to please God than others, right? I mean, man, God's real clear. He's real clear. He, he's, he's full of grace and mercy. He'll give you power. He'll, he'll give you power and strength to do what he's calling you to do. Paul says in verse 5, we never came with flattery. Flattery is when you use your words not for truth, but to try to leverage people to get your your own way. The engine that drove Paul forward into the hard situations of the gospel was that he might please God, that he might be pleasing to the Lord. The Lord was his reward. So number one, what does it mean to bring the gospel, to be ready to share the gospel and your own life? and your own self. What does it mean to share your own selves? It means you're bold. You don't hold anything back. It means, number two, your motive is simply to please God. And then number three, here, here's, here's the beautiful one, I think. Paul shared the gospel and shared his own life, shared his own self by loving them with the love of a spiritual mother. Look at, look at verse seven. He says, we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, We were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you've become very dear to us. Paul loves them. He was delighted to share his soul with them because he loved them like a spiritual mother. There's a beautiful picture here of a nursing mother. Um, This this word is translated in a lot of different ways. Uh, Sometimes it means just a nursing mother. Sometimes it meant a foster mother, like a nursing foster mother, like a, a, a wet nurse, okay? But but it's it's the picture of, of a mother actually imparting her own life to her child. Uh she take she takes her nourishment and gives it to her child. That, that's the picture Paul's saying here is, man, we were giving you our own lives. You know, to our own detriment. We, we were sharing with you our life. Mothers do this. To some degree, mothers give up their life for their children. They give caring for themselves and advancing themselves and looking after themselves in order to pour their lives into their children. Mothers, mothers will sacrifice their sleep and their health and their time and their treasure in order to nurture their children. I don't know if you know this, but mothers aren't in it for the money, okay? You know, if, if you're a mom and you got into this thing because you thought there were bucks involved, you thought there were, there were dollars and cents involved, man, you, you went the other way. You, you, you made a terrible decision. Paul, in another place, in Galatians 4.19, he says this. He says, My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And the picture there is is Paul says, Man, we labored to bring you to spiritual life. We we, we travailed. A, A mother will physically agonize, and suffer, and travail, she struggles to the point of utter exhaustion to bring life into the world. And it's impressive. I, I saw Emma do it five times um, without any, any kind of medicine or epidurals or anything like that. Man, I was flat wore out just watching her. Like, it, she, she travailed our children into the world. And man, if, if you've adopted... We didn't, we didn't understand this before, but if you've adopted, it, it's, it's just a longer process. You know, I, I told them, I can't remember how many times, I said, man, wait, wait, it's, like, it's like you're in labor. It's like we're in labor. You know, this time I'm in it with you, you know, for four years in, in, in bringing, bringing our son into the world. Here's what Paul's saying. He's saying he loves so deeply. He loved people so deeply that he would labor and agonize to see them born again. There's, there's a great Old Testament picture in, in the book of Numbers. Moses is crying out to God, and you know he's got, he's got the children of Israel that he's led out of Egypt, and they're, they're, they're headed to the promised land. And, and he says in Numbers 11, 12, he says, Did I conceive all this people? Did I give them birth that you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the... To the hand that you, to the land that you swore to give to your fathers, to their fathers. And Moses, he's just feeling the weight of, man, I God, are, are you? Do you really want me to carry all these? You know, he's really not physically carrying them, but he's carrying the weight of them. I mean, Paul is tapping into that scriptural metaphor here, that there, there's a weight to bringing people into the kingdom, and Paul says we embrace that. We loved you like a mother loves a nursing child. We we took care of you that way. We travailed. We we agonized to bring you into the kingdom. This this is so different than, hey, can I give you a little information? Here you go. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Okay, that's it. See you. I'm done with you. I I did my responsibility. That is not at all the way that Paul looks at this. He says in verse 7, we were gentle among you. In other words, we, we took care of you. We, were, we, we tenderly cared after you personally to provide for you. Just another great picture in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. He says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that bite, you may grow into salvation if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. There's another picture of, of, of 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 an infant eating milk. And Paul's saying, Man, we supplied that. We took care of you. We worked tirelessly night and day, verse 9 says. Verse 9 says, You remember, brothers, our labor, our toil. We worked night and day not to be a burden to any of you. In other words, Paul's giving his life to see these people come into the kingdom. He loves these believers. He says, We are affectionately desirous of you. Let me ask you, do you have a deep affection? and connection to other believers. You should. Man, I, I hope it hurts you to be, the last six weeks, I ho- they, should, they should have hurt you to be away from your brothers and sisters what, what what? The verse I read at the beginning, in chapter 2, verse 17, Paul says, we, were, we felt like we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person. Remember, he had to flee. He had to flee Thessalonica. He said, we felt like we were torn away. We endeavored all the more eagerly with great desire to see you face to face. We we wanted to come to you. That's verse 18. I, Paul, again and again. You know the amazing thing about Paul? People weren't a burden to him. Like people that didn't get it, people that were struggling, people that needed to be nursed along, people that needed to be Carried along, people that need to be encouraged again and again. And again, it's tiresome. It was at times frustrating. Ask any mother. Yes, they'll say yes. That's exactly what it's like. They were not a burden. He was willing to give his energy on their behalf, his effort on their behalf. He was ready to share. Here's a question I have for you. I wonder if God gives opportunities based on eagerness. What do you think? Do you think God gives gospel opportunities based on our eagerness, based on our readiness, based on our willingness to not only bring the gospel, but also to, bring, to share our own lives? I wonder if, if, we, if we got our heart to that point, if we, if we got our hearts to, to the point of, of saying, man, I, I, I long deeply to pour out my life, to bring people to the gospel. God, I'm willing. I'm ready. God, it'll be a joy. I, want, I wonder if God wouldn't magnify your opportunities, my opportunities for gospel witness. I think what we might say is, man, that, that looks hard. Yeah. Uh-huh. That looks risky. Yeah. That looks like sometimes people won't be pleased with me. Absolutely. That looks like it might be a little frustrating. That looks like I might have somebody needy. I might have, I might have a needy person that needs me. All. Yes, yes. It's hard, it's hard to be a sp- It's hard to be a mother and not have that. But, you know, let me just close with this. I don't think mothers regret their investment in their children. I've not met any that did. And I think the same will be true for you. I think think if you will embrace this, if you will embrace Paul's, Paul's heart here, To not only share the gospel, but share your life. I think if you'll embrace that. I think at the end of your life, you will not be sorry. Let's pray. Father, I I thank you for this great example of of gospel sharing, of sharing of our lives. And God, I pray that you might just cultivate in our hearts this heart. God, we're asking you to do that in us, God. Father, we believe in the immeasurable riches of the gospel. We believe in the treasure that Jesus is. God, we believe that there is no reward like you. God, that you're you're the best, you're the highest. And so, Father, we, we ask you to give us this heart, this kind of heart for people. God, I pray that we would go after folks in this way. God, make us spiritual mothers, and as we're going to see next week, spiritual fathers. God, make make us these kind of disciples. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, uh, man, I look forward to the possibility, the hopeful possibility of of gathering with many of you next week at at both of our campuses. Again, uh, if if you are sick... Please stay home. Uh, And by the way, that that applies now. That applies in five years when when we don't know what this is anymore. Uh, If you're sick, stay home. If you feel that you're compromised or you're vulnerable or you feel like it's just not safe for you to come, then don't don't come. We will have our live stream. We love you. Show us. Tell us how we can minister to you. Um, But for those of you who who would like to come and gather, um, please be ready to do that next week. Uh, That's the plan, and we are moving toward that. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Hopefully we'll see you face-to-face next week. Thanks.